morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We're jumping back into our series, our study entitled, Like No Other. It's the description about Jesus. This is the, the series and study that's leading up to and even just beyond Easter, as we take a look at the birth of Jesus, as we take a look at, uh, in, in future weeks, the, the death and burial and resurrection, even the ascension of Jesus Christ, everything about him and his life is like no other. So last week we looked at his birth. No, it was, it was not a Christmas message, but we looked back at some of those uh, passages we often reference during Christmas. But we saw that his birth was like no other, and it gave us some pretty powerful reminders. Well, speaking of power, that's where we're going today. We're looking at Jesus, who has a power like no other. Now, you know, when you were little and maybe, you know, maybe you still do this today, but you ever catch yourself kind of flexing in a mirror, you know, just wanting to see if, if you got anything that pops up there or if it just kind of sags on the bottom, you know, because we, we, we want to have some strength. We want to have some, you know, ability. You know, we want to lift something strong. We, we're, we're helpful and thankful for some kind of power Today we're looking at the power of Jesus Christ, power in a lot of different situations. You and I need strength and power in a lot of difficult situations. Speaking about difficult situations, one summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small son into bed. She was about to turn the light off when he asked in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me tonight? Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed, and at last it was broken by his shaky little voice saying, Big scaredy cat. Apparently, Daddy was the scaredy cat because Mommy was going to go and spend the night in there and, and not with him. You see... We all have some fears. Maybe, maybe it's not so much storms for you. How many of you are like me and you tend to sleep through storms? Okay. But maybe it's not storms that you sleep through. Maybe, you know, it's spiders or, in our house, centipedes. I am uh, apparently the designated centipede take-carer. I mean, I am the centipede eliminator if at all possible, uh, they, they've got like, you know, not, not spidey sense. They've got centipede sense. And they can see out of the corner of their eye and behind them when one of those hundred legs are moving. Dad! Hun! I mean, I mean I'm, I'm out to take care of centipedes. Some people are not crazy about water. Some people are not crazy about, and I'm one of them, not crazy about heights. You know, there's a lot of things that you and I can be fearful of, but what unites us in our fears is we want someone or something that's able to help us in the midst of those difficulties and fears. Someone who's able to kind of help us through all the stuff we're afraid of. If you're afraid of centipedes, you want somebody around with a shoe able to take care of that. 
If it's height, you want somebody around you to strap you in, uh, you know, make sure that you are safe and secure. If it's water, you want somebody with you that's going to, you know, lift you up and, and that you not drown. We want someone who can be with us to overcome what it is that we're afraid of. We want peace in the midst of difficulty. Unfortunately, there's some storms that you and I face that are often even too big for a dad or a mom or a grandma or a grandpa. You ever face some of those? I mean, as a kid, many times mom or dad could help out. But as we grow up, sometimes there's some difficulties that we face. And it's not. It's certainly a lot bigger and more challenging than a centipede. We face some difficulties that we don't know where to turn. And so In those kinds of difficulties and challenges and situations, we need Jesus because he has a power like no other. He's not just someone walking around who's got, you know, rolled up newspaper or a shoe able to squash out a centipede. He's able to help you meet the needs of the difficulties that you and I face. This morning, I want to encourage you with some principles from Jesus and the power that he has like no other. First of all, Jesus has the power to conquer temptation. Turn with me if you've got the Word of God, if you've got paper copy or you've got digital copy, turn with me to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. We'll get there in a moment. But there was a three-year-old who had entered the kitchen when his mother was busy elsewhere in the house. She had told him not to get into her freshly baked cookies. But in her absence, he pulled a kitchen chair over to the countertop and climbed up on it. Then he took the lid off of the cookie jar, and he had just gotten a cookie into his mouth when his mother entered the room. You ever been caught, you know, literally with your hand in the cookie jar or the cookie in your mouth that your mom told you not to do? He got caught with his mom entering the room and she demanded to know what he was doing. Here's what he said. The little three-year-old looked at her with big, blue, innocent eyes and said, I just climbed up here to smell the cookies and my tooth got caught on one of them. Now, you and I are often tempted by chocolate chip cookies, uh, but chances are we're often tempted by more. And so when it comes to the power to overcome, the power to conquer temptation, Jesus has it, and Jesus is able to help you and I. Matthew chapter 4, what we see is this, Jesus faced Temptation. He was tempted by the enemy on three different occasions. And sometimes we think incorrectly, but we think, oh, he doesn't know what I face. Jesus hasn't experienced what I've experienced. What we see in Scripture, Matthew chapter 4, is that Jesus was tempted by the enemy in multiple ways and was able to overcome temptation. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Speaking about Jesus, he writes, we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. 
You want to talk about power. He has power to conquer temptation. And in the first temptation, he was tempted to doubt the provision of God. Verses 3 and 4, if you remember or you see in the Scripture text there, the enemy would come to him and basically says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. See, Jesus had just been in the wilderness, led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was praying and fasting for 40 days. How many of you and I, if we go 40 minutes without a snack, we are hangry? Right? You need a Snickers or something. 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness, and immediately following that, the enemy comes up, and he's tempting him. Man, there's stones all around. You're able to just make that bread satisfy that, that longing inside and doubting that God is or was going to potentially provide for him. It's interesting. Satan did this right after that. The Spirit led him to fast and to pray. And then the enemy comes and tempts at a point of weakness. You ever seen that? Maybe in your own life? The enemy senses and knows some of those challenges and weaknesses in our life. Temptation can be personalized. Many of the things that might tempt you might not tempt somebody else. But, oh, those temptations that are tempting to us show up and look, oh, so inviting. So here he is, certainly weak physically, vulnerable spiritually. And he was tempting him to take matters into his own hand. Don't trust in God to provide for you. You've got the power. You can take all of these stones on the ground and you can just make them into bread. Go ahead, do it. Doubt God's provision. Satan will tempt you and I to doubt God's provision, to doubt that he loves you, to doubt that he cares for you, to doubt that he's going to take care of you, to doubt that the situation, the struggle, and the difficulty that you face, he's going to tempt you to think, well, God doesn't know, or he doesn't care, or both. He's going to tempt you to doubt God's provision. Did Jesus do what he was tempted to do? No, he responded, and remember he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. He answered with Scripture. And as Jesus is overcoming temptation, he's enabling us and showing us how you and I can as well. We've got to trust in and rely upon God and his word and not ourselves. He was tempted to doubt God's provision, but overcame. He was also tempted to doubt the plan of God. Those next several verses, Satan takes Jesus to the peak of the temple. He says, well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Just jump off. I mean, God's going to rescue you. God's going to take care of you. He won't let his angels, uh, you know, just let you fall. He can call the angels to rescue you. Everyone then, they'll see and they'll believe in you. This is going to be a mighty, mighty miracle. Just go ahead and do it right now. What's interesting is that Satan, to some degree, quoted from Psalm 19. 
He, he kind of left out one important part in that scripture where it says that he would guard you in all of your ways. The enemy didn't want him to think about the ways and the plans of God. He didn't want him to consider what God had in store for him. You and I are often tempted like that. Don't wait around for the plans of God. Just take matters into your own hands. How many of you have been tempted to help God out? Because nothing's happening, God. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, and this thing that I want, what I want to have happen, isn't happening. But if I would only do this, I can kind of nudge it along, God. I'll just give you a little hand. How many of you with a smile on your face could raise your hand like me and say, I've done that. I've done some things to try to help or nudge God along. Many of us have. And the enemy here, he's basically saying, go ahead, just do it now. I mean, if you jump off, God's going to send his angels. They'll rescue you. It's going to be a mighty miracle. Everyone will see and know. Don't wait for the plan of God. As God was leading him towards the cross. I mean, in your life and in my life, we see how we've tried to help God out at times. You look through the Old Testament and New Testament, many times people would try to take matters into their own hands, and much like what we do, we end up making it worse. You think back to Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them a son. They're getting up in years, old in years, and hey, no son yet. And Sarah says, well, let's take matters into our own hands. Here, go ahead in with this servant girl. We'll make our own baby if God's not going to give it to us. And what we see is that was Ishmael. God did follow through with Isaac, and those descendants have been at war and in conflict ever since. I've seen it. You've probably seen it. When you jump in to try to help God out, we often make a mess of the situation. And so the enemy was tempting Jesus to try to doubt the plan of God. But we've got to know what God has in store. Know his plan by knowing the word of God. Read and learn and study because Jesus once again answers according to the word of God and said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's answering the enemy with scripture. He's also then tempted to doubt the authority of God. The next several verses from 8 to 11 the enemy, Satan, makes this grand promise and pledge. He, he takes them to a high place. He says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. He says, I'll give them all to, do, uh, to you if you fall down and worship me. He wanted Jesus to worship him. It's appealing to personal ambition, instant gratification. I'll just, you know, instead of going through all the difficulty of the plan of God and, and eventually to this thing called the cross, you know, you bow down to me and I'll just give you everything you've ever dreamed of right now. Sometimes that's tough for us because it's difficult to delay the gratification. We want what we want when we want it, which is usually right now. I don't want to wait for something. 
And so Satan was tempting him to doubt the authority of God. And he says, hey, instead of God being the authority, bow down to me and, and I'll show you some power. Satan knew Jesus was promised the kingdom. <laughs> Satan was trying to offer a shortcut. You ever taken a shortcut? You ever found the shortcut sometimes was the long way around? Oh, this is, this is a better way. Trust me. Turn left here. 30 minutes later, you're, you're calling on Siri or Apple Maps or Google Maps to try to figure out where you are. Shortcuts don't always work. And here spiritually, the enemy was trying that with Jesus Christ. He was lying. First of all, the world wasn't his to give. Satan's saying, hey, you bow down to me, I'll give you everything. Satan didn't have everything to give. And secondly, Jesus as the creator is not going to bow down and worship the creature who was created. And this is the first time in these three temptations, Jesus calls him by name. And he basically says, Satan, away from me. And again, uses scripture. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Jesus. It's the interesting situation that kind of boggles the mind, but fully God and yet fully man is using the word of God to overcome the temptation of the enemy. He's powerful enough to conquer temptation and he has the power to help you and I do the same. We look to the Word of God, and we see how He handled temptation. So when you look at someone who is strong and mighty to help you, first of all, He's powerful enough to be able to conquer temptation. But secondly, Jesus is powerful enough to be able to overcome difficulties. Now, just a little bit ago during prayer time, we asked if you had needs in your heart, or your life, or your family. Boy, a bunch of hands were raised all over this sanctuary. We've got difficulties. There's some physical bodies in here or families, family members who you've got someone who needs something physically, a healing a provision financially. There are all kinds of difficulties, and we're looking around for somebody strong enough and powerful enough to help us. Jesus has the power to overcome difficulties. What kind of difficulties? Here's just a handful. He's got the power over nature. Now, take a quick glance out the windows. If you're watching or listening online, this is March 12th. And many of you are ready for spring, except for one individual who prayed for snow, and we're blaming it all on her today. But you want to get rid of snow, you want it to get into spring, and yet we don't really have any power or control over nature. Sun, rain, snow, sleet. Continue. As we look at the Word of God in Mark chapter 4, you remember the story in the biblical account where Jesus and his disciples were in the boat and the storm came up and the disciples, they were going crazy. They didn't know what to do. Anybody remember what Jesus was doing in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the disciples who didn't know what to do, losing their mind? Jesus was asleep. In the boat. Matthew chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. 
They were terrified. They woke him up, and they basically said, Jesus, help us, save us. And what did Jesus do? You remember Mark chapter 4, he simply speaks to the wind and the waves, be still. Two words to command the wind and the waves, and everything got still and quiet. You want to talk about power? Power over nature? Power to be able to speak just two words and still the storm and quiet everything? Jesus responds to the disciples, hey, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And the response of the disciples, they're wondering, who in the world is this that has power like that? It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He has power to overcome difficulties. If Jesus is able to overcome nature and speak to the wind and the waves, he's got the power to help you in your situation. The next scriptural story in the book of Mark, as you turn to Mark 5, shows he has power over demons. After he calmed the storm and the disciples calmed down, it says that he met a demon-possessed man, a demoniac, who was in chains. No one could seemingly tame him as he was demon-possessed. He meets the man, asked him his name. And if you remember the story, and maybe you, you hear it, it kind of makes uh, you know, the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. He responded, we are legion for we are many. Now, this was not him simply choosing to use personal pronouns of they, them. He's saying we are because there were multiple demons there. He says we are legion. A Roman legion would be anywhere from 2,000 upwards of 6,000 in a Roman legion. He's basically saying there's a whole bunch of us here. And as Jesus interacted with the man who was demon-possessed, the demons recognized the power, and they, through the man, begged Jesus, would you please allow us to leave this man and go into a herd of pigs? You want to talk about power? Power that the enemy, the dark forces, these demons and the man, they were trembling at the power of Jesus and begging him to allow them. Would you please let us go into this herd of pigs? There's power in Jesus over nature, power in Jesus over demons, power over disease. Boy, I mean, you, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the mighty miracles that he does. Uh, these are just a handful of them. But after the storm and after the demon-possessed man, later in chapter 5 shows a woman who had an, an issue of blood. She had been bleeding for many years, 12 years. She'd seen doctors. She'd spent all she had. She had nothing left, and yet she was still in need of healing. Maybe that describes you to some degree. It seems like you've exhausted a whole bunch of uh, possibilities uh, to try to get right physically or financially or relationally or emotionally or spiritually. It seems like I'm throwing all these things. Nothing helps. Nobody has the power or strength or insight or resources. And she comes to Jesus. After spending all she had, in a sense, she's probably worse off than when she started. 
Scripture says that she simply touched the hem, the, the very lower edge of his garment, and was healed. Just you talk about power. He speaks to the storm. The demons beg him to let them go into the pigs. And now, just by touching a piece of his clothing, the woman is healed. Well, Jesus realizes power left him and asked the crowd, who touched me? Now, in, in my mind, I envision this kind of like, um, like a Black Friday shopping. Ever been Black Friday shopping or seen some of those uh, videos? I'd gone a, a year or two, uh, and then, you know, we, we've since kind of shifted to doing a lot of things online. But you've seen some of those crazy Black Friday deal kind of shoppers, right? Who, when the doors are open, the swarm of people are just up and down the aisles and, and the hallways. That's kind of what I envision when I read the story. People everywhere thronging around Jesus. And Jesus said, who touched me? No doubt some of the disciples and the people around are saying, well, yeah, I mean, it could have been him or him or her or her. I mean, everybody's around you, Jesus. I mean, I'm sure a whole bunch of people probably touched you. But he recognized that power had gone out from his his life, his body, and had touched and healed. And so the woman came, fell at his feet, told him the story, and he said, your faith has healed you. But the more you read, you read Matthew, you read Mark, you read Luke, you read John, you read these uh, Gospels, all with these incredible biblical accounts of the power of Jesus. Power over nature, power over demons, power over disease, and yes, even power over death. Before and after this particular story where Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood, there was Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, who had a 12-year-old daughter who was about to die. Can you imagine? I mean, a loss of life of anyone is difficult and tragic, but the loss of a child, the loss of a 12-year-old. And so this man is desperate. He's coming to Jesus. He says she's about to die. And then in the midst of that was this woman, and she's healed. And in the, in the midst of this time, as Jesus is healing the woman, word comes to the ruler from his household saying, I'm sorry, Jairus, she's already dead. Can you imagine getting news of any kind? The loss of a parent, the loss of a grandparent, but in this case, the loss of a child. I know you've been wanting to go to Jesus. I know you were trying to get to him before she died. Unfortunately, she's passed. Well, Jesus follows him to the house. He arrives. You can imagine the scene. Everybody's tearful. Everybody's crying. The girl is lying dead. And Jesus shows up and, and he tells everybody that she's asleep. Now, if you were present there, you would probably think one of two things. You'd either think he was crazy or you'd think he was cruel. To say she was asleep, oh, that's cruel. Everyone can tell there's no life in her. Or you think he's just absolutely crazy to say that. 
In the midst of the crying, the people laugh at the absurdity of the comment. But once again, Jesus does a miracle simply by speaking. He speaks to the girl. She stands up and walks around. The understatement of the day from this text, Mark chapter 5, verse 42 says, At this they were completely astonished. I mean, if that would have been you, and you're, you know, you're doing a, a documentary, you're following Jesus, and he spoke to the wind, and it stopped, and then Jesus cast the demons out of the man, and then Jesus healed the woman, and now Jesus spoke words of healing to this daughter, you would be completely astonished. But that's the power of Jesus. Jesus has power to overcome these difficulties and then some. I know difficulties that are being faced in this place are challenging. And that many of those hands that were raised just a little bit ago, each and every one of those, boy, if I knew each and every one of those situations, my mind would be spinning, how in the world is that need going to be met? How is that body going to be healed? And we, we wonder, but it's Jesus Christ who has the power. I don't know each and every difficulty that you face, but I know this. Jesus has the power to overcome the difficulties that you face. When we look at Jesus Christ and we see he's able to help us and strengthen us to overcome and conquer temptation, it's not just that. He also has the power to help you and I overcome the difficulties that we face. He's got power over nature, demons, disease, death. And so the situations that you and I face, that you and I struggle, they're huge to us. But he's got the power, he has the resources, he has the ability to overcome them. Finally, this morning, you want to talk about power that Jesus has. Let's get a little personal, a little practical. He has the power to provide us with the example. Power to provide us the example to follow. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Power to live out the example for you and I to follow. And so as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not only do you see the power of healing and the power of provision as he does some mighty things physically, as he does some mighty things financially, and he makes you know, food stretch to feed a mighty, mighty mass of people, he also has the power to provide the example for you and I to follow. Here's a handful of those examples. Power to provide our example of the knowledge of the Word of God. Many times, all throughout his ministry, he would refer back and reference the Word of God, reference some of the teaching, reference some of the prophets from the Old Testament. Just a few moments ago, we were looking at the temptations. Jesus tempted of the enemy every single time he answered with the Word of God. Jesus answered with the word of God because he knew the word of God. You and I are to be well-versed in Scripture. You think about the Sermon on the Mount. Many times he refers back to Old Testament teachings. Six times in Matthew 5 he uses the phrase, You have heard that it was said. Scriptures say this. And then he would expound and teach. Jesus knew 
what God's word had to say. We say, well, yeah, he's the son of God. He still immersed himself and knew what the word of God had to say. A great example for you and I. To be a follower of Jesus, let's dig into this word. He also provides the example of a faithful prayer time. He had much certainly to say about and teach about prayer. Remember, he taught about prayer and fasting and, and a very familiar prayer. The disciples said, teach us how to pray. And what did Jesus say? This then is how you should pray. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer. A little bit of some categories or types of things to include in our prayer time. But it's so much more than just teaching about prayer. How many of you know there's a lot that we can speak about or talk about, but unless we really do it ourselves, it's not real or genuine. So Jesus didn't just speak about or teach about prayer. Scripture says he prayed. Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. It wasn't about fanfare. It wasn't about, hey, everybody, watch what I do as I go pray. He just went and did it. Mark 6. 45 and 6, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. It was a habit. It was a pattern. Not only did he know the word of God, he lived out this relationship, this prayer time with God the Father. He made prayer a priority. Now, I get it. We've got some busy schedules. We've got some crazy schedules. But, but look with me through the word of God and, and tell me that we've got crazier schedules than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was busy. He was teaching and preaching and doing miracles. And yet in the midst of that, made and found the time to pray and connect with God the Father. So he gives us the example of knowing the word of God, of praying. He gives us the example of water baptism, Matthew chapter 3. Certainly in the word of God, one of the last statements is, go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to everybody. Preaching and teaching and baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, he didn't just teach about or speak about something. Water baptism is it's a tool, it's an outward symbol of an inward change. It signifies and represents what Jesus Christ has done in our life. But he went to John the Baptist and asked him to baptize him. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He himself was baptized in water. It wasn't just do as I say, but not as I do. He gives the example of scripture, of prayer, of water baptism as well as being led about by the Spirit. To some degree, back where we started, when we looked at the temptation of Jesus Christ, following the time where the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to pray and to fast. Even then here, as Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. And it was following that baptism when he was led into the desert. He was submitting to God the Father. He was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're like the bull in the china shop and we just barrel through life 
doing our own thing, our own way, and our own time. And here we have Jesus Christ providing the example to be led by the Spirit, to be connected to God in prayer, to know Him and His Word. And He gives the example of being baptized in water. There's a whole host of other things Jesus provides as an example. But you want to talk about power. Jesus Christ has a power like no other. He has the power to be able to provide our example. Yes, we want to follow after him. But in the situations that we face, he provides a power to be able to conquer temptation and a power to be able to overcome the difficulties of life that we face. He's able to speak to the storm and still it. If he's able to speak to a girl and raise her back to life, if he's able to do all of these mighty miracles, he's able to help and assist you and to meet your need today. He has the power. Our resources are limited. Our strength, that we can pose all we want in front of the mirror. Our strength is limited. He has the power. What does it mean for you and I today as we look through this brief overview of the power of Jesus Christ? It means he's got the power to forgive our sins, no matter what they are. No matter what we've been involved in in our past, he has the power to cleanse and to forgive and to remove them. What does it mean? It means that Jesus can come into our life and help calm our present storms, no matter how mighty or powerful they might seem to be that we face. And it means that Jesus is able and powerful enough to meet our future needs, no matter how massive they might be. We face difficulties, yes. We face trials and hardships and, and struggles, yes. No matter how great, no matter how mighty they might seem, He's got the power to meet them.